Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. We're going to continue our sermon series today on an honest conversation with God. An honest conversation with God. I'll be in the book of Habakkuk chapter 3. Habakkuk chapter 3. We were singing some wonderful hymns this morning, and I've got a hymn story to share myself. Maybe you've heard of William Cowper. Um, He was born in 1731 in England. His mother died when he was six years old, and he had to be raised by his father. Throughout his life, he he dealt with depression. Uh, He struggled with it. He had four major battles of depression in his life. He attempted to take his life on several occasions. He never was successful uh, because God protected him from himself, and he died at the age of 69 from an illness. Now, during his lifetime, Cowper wrote 68 hymns. I'm sure you can find a few in our hymnals. He wrote 68 of them, and the, the hymn that comes to mind this morning that I want to highlight is God Moves in a Mysterious Way. I don't know if you've heard that tune, God Moves in a Mysterious Way. It, it asserts that God is good, that God is in control, that He is wise, and we should trust Him. And here's what the words of that hymn say. God moves in a mysterious way, His wonders to perform. He plants His footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep and unfathomable minds of never-failing skill, He treasures up His bright designs and works His sovereign will. You fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings upon your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust Him for His grace. Behind a frowning providence, He hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. But blind unbelief is sure to err and scan His work in vain. But God is His own interpreter, and He will make it plain. Very poetic, of course. Uh, That is what the message is going to be like today. I'm not a poet by any stretch of imagination, but Habakkuk has a prayer that is really a song that they sang. You'll see that when you read the beginning and the end of chapter 3. And it's a prayer that you sing that highlights God's goodness. And so the question I want to answer today is, how can I be sure of God's presence? Here is Habakkuk. From the very beginning of his letter, we see a a godly man here who is struggling with, God, where are you? Why aren't you doing something about the injustice I see? Why don't you answer my prayers? God, why are you silent? And when God finally does speak, God speaks in such a way that he gives Habakkuk an answer that he didn't see coming, that he doesn't like and he didn't expect. He basically says, Habakkuk, all of this injustice you see, I'm going to deal with that. I'm going to bring in the most ruthless people, the Babylonians, the Chaldeans, and they are going to discipline and punish my people. And Habakkuk says, what? He says, God, 
They're more wicked than we are. Why would you do that? That doesn't make sense. And then God basically uh, gives him a second speech and says, Habakkuk, write this down. I'm going to give you a vision for the end time. And basically the vision is this. There is coming a day when everybody will be judged by God. So don't think that anybody's getting special privileges, special treatment, because everybody's going to have to stand before me and be judged. And then Habakkuk just processes all this. He now knows what God's going to do next. God's going to use this ruthless, wicked people to punish our own people because we've turned our back on God. And yet there's going to be a future judgment someday where God judges everyone. And he's just really pondering all of this in his heart and his mind. And he basically says, God, how can I be sure that you still love us, that you still are going to be with us? How can I be sure of your presence moving forward? I mean, if this is going to happen, I can't stop you from doing it. But Lord, how can I be sure of your presence? Is there going to be a better tomorrow? What do I have to look forward to? Habakkuk is wondering if God will intervene in his situation and change it. And he prays to the Lord. Look, if you will, in Habakkuk 3, verse 1. A prayer of the prophet Habakkuk. Lord, I have heard the report about you. Lord, I stand in awe of your deeds. Revive your work in these years. Make it known in these years in your wrath. Remember mercy. I want you to see three things that Habakkuk did to connect with God. The first thing he did is he reflected upon God's ways. He says, I, Lord, I have heard the report about you, and I stand in awe of your deeds. He's talking about who God is. Lord, I've heard the report about you. God, you're holy, you're, you're gracious, you're, you're, you're faithful, you're, you're an awesome God, you're in complete command, you're in complete control. You are God, you are King, you are Lord. Lord, I've heard about you, I know who you are, but I also stand in all of your deeds. He can look back at history, he can look at creation, how God spoke, let there be light, and there was light. He can look back at how God led Abraham to leave everything behind and then give him a, a land that, that God would show him. He can look back at the time of Moses and how God rescued his people with a mighty arm and brought them out of Egypt and eventually led them into the promised land. He can look back and reflect on all the great deeds of what God has done. When you and I reflect back upon His ways, we need to remember who He is and what He's done. And what better time of year to do that than when, when we approach the time of Thanksgiving. There is a second thing that Habakkuk did to connect with God. He reflected upon God's ways and he remembered God's works. Look in verse 3. In verse 3 he said, God comes from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Paran, his splendor covers the heavens, and the earth is full of His praise. His brilliance is like light. Rays are flashing from His hand. This is where His power is hidden. Plague goes before Him, and pestilence follows in His steps. He stands and shakes the earth. He looks and startles the nations. The age-old mountains break apart. The ancient hills sink down. His pathways are ancient. I see the tents of Kushan in distress, the tents curtains of the land of, of Midian tremble. Are you angry at the rivers, Lord? Is your wrath against the rivers? Or is your rage against the sea when you ride on your horses, your victorious chariot? 
You took the sheath from your bow. The arrows are ready to be used with an oath. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains see you and shudder. A downpour of water sweeps by. The deep roars with its voice and lifts its waves high. Sun and moon stand still in their lofty residence. At the flash of your flying arrows, at the brightness of your shining spear, you march across the earth with indignation. You trample down the nations in wrath. You come out to save your people, to save your anointed. You crush the leader of the house of the wicked and strip him from foot to neck. You pierce his head with, your, with his own spears. His warriors storm out to scatter us, gloating as if ready to secretly devour the weak. You tread the sea with your horses, stirring up the vast water. Here, um, he not only remembers, uh, reflects on God's ways, but Habakkuk remembers God's words. Uh, he, he's very poetic. And uh, he focuses on God's appearance. Lord, you are the Holy One. Look at your splendor. Look at your brilliance. Look at your hand. Look at your footsteps. You stand and you shake. You look and you startle the nations. He, he grabs our attention to where we can focus on how God shows up and how He appears. And He just overwhelms creation by His presence. But not only does He highlight God's appearance, He highlights God's power over His enemies. There in verses 8 through 15, he refers to the rivers and the sea and the mountains and the sun and the moon. All of these things do what God wants them to do. They're at God's disposal. They're, they do what God bids them to do. And then he highlights his presence with his people. Notice there in uh, chapter 3 where he says that you save your anointed and uh, Here's what I found when I studied that. Uh, it says, Taman and Paran in verse 3 remind us of God's presence with His people in the wilderness. Remember when they came out of Egypt, they wandered in the wilderness? That reminds us of God's presence with, with His people in the wilderness where He first revealed Himself to them and led them on to the promised land. The thunderstorm and the earthquake imagery is a reminder of God meeting with His people at Mount Sinai when he gave them the Ten Commandments. The plague and the pestilence recall God's ten plagues in Egypt, and they resulted in God delivering Israel out of Egypt. The victory over the rivers and the sea remind us of Israel's miraculous crossing, not once but twice, the first time when God led them across the Red Sea and delivered them from Pharaoh, and then years later under Joshua when they crossed the Jordan to claim and enter, the, enter and claim the promised land. The sun and the moon standing still are meant to remind us of Joshua's victory over the Amorites. In Joshua 10, there was a day when Joshua prayed and God kept the sun still so that they had plenty of daylight to defeat all of the enemies. That's an amazing story. Then it goes on, piercing the head of the enemy with his own spear reminds us of David when he cut off Goliath's head after uh, knocking him out with a sling and a stone. And then verse 13 speaks of God coming to deliver His people and to save His anointed one. And the words uh, anointed one in Hebrew literally mean the Messiah, the Son of David, who would come to deliver God's people for good. And so throughout this poem in verses 3 through 15, Habakkuk expertly used imagery that not only details the defeat of God's enemies, but recalls God's great saving acts for His people in history, their deliverance from Egypt, 
the exodus and the crossing of the Red Sea, the giving of the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai, the wandering in the wilderness and the conquest of the Promised Land, David the anointed king and the promised Messiah that would come to save his people. All of that is alluded to with masterful imagery and poetry in Habakkuk 3, 3 through 15. Pretty awesome when you think about it. So Habakkuk reflected upon God's ways, who he is, what he's done. He remembered God's works in a very poetic way, all the things he's done through the generations. And then he requested a renewal of God's works. Go back and look at chapter 3, verse 2. In chapter 3, verse 2, after he said, Lord, I've heard the report about you. Lord, I stand in all of your deeds. He says, revive your work in these years. Make it known in these years. In your wrath, remember mercy. Habakkuk is thinking about all the things that God has done, and he knows that God's got more up his sleeve. God's fixing to judge his people. He's going to use the Chaldeans, the Babylonians to do it. And he says, oh God, please revive your work in these years. Lord, I remember what you've done in the past. I can go back generation, 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 and every generation has got a testimony, a story to tell of look what God did in our day. Look at what God did in our time. And he says, God, revive these years. What about right now? Revive these years. Do something in this day, in this time, in this generation. And then he says, but in your wrath, remember mercy. Why would he say that? You know, Romans says that God is revealing his judgment against wickedness. It's being revealed from the heavens. Romans 1, I believe 18 says that. And so when God begins to work in the world, one of the things he's got to deal with is he's got to deal with sin. And Habakkuk realizes that because in his day and time, he is fixing to see the fruit of that. And he's saying, oh God, in your wrath, remember mercy. Remember mercy. There's a second quote I found as I studied. It says, when you pray for revival along with Habakkuk, pray for God in his wrath to remember mercy. When you ask God to renew his deeds in the present, you're also asking him to bring judgment on the world for its sins. God cannot be active in a world of sin without judging sin. And so when you ask God to renew His deeds, as you pray for personal and corporate revival and spiritual awakening, ask God in His wrath to remember mercy. Realize that you don't have to convince God to do this. You don't have to somehow persuade Him against His will to be merciful. It's God's nature to show mercy. When you ask for His mercy, you're praying according to His will, and He will answer The greatest example of God in wrath remembering mercy took place 2,000 years ago at the cross. When you look at what happened there, justice was served. Sin was finally dealt with. And God's wrath was poured out on one person who took all of our place. And through him, if we will come, he will show mercy to sinners who are willing to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Now, that is good news. So, that's what's in Habakkuk 3. But the question still remains, how can I be sure of God's presence? How can I be sure of God's favor today, right now? I mean, 
Where do I start? What do I do? Here's three things that you and I can do. Number one, offer yourself to God in an attitude of worship. I love Romans 12. I'm going to be preaching a series on that next year. But Romans 12 is a beautiful chapter in the New Testament. Uh, In 11 chapters in Romans, Paul lays out his explanation of the gospel. You know, uh, we're all condemned. We're sinners. We're justified by faith. And then through sanctification, God is working in and through us. And then one of these days, we're going to be with God in glory. And we'll have that glorified body and all of that. And then he says in Romans 12, in view of his mercy. When you look back at the previous 11 chapters of Romans, when you look at what God has done for us in salvation, in view of his mercy, present yourself, present your body as a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual form or act of worship. And so when you and I realize what God has done, when we remember his works, when we... Uh, review His ways and reflect upon His ways, when we consider who God is and what He has done, then the only response that we should have is to offer ourselves to God in an attitude of worship. When you look at Habakkuk's poem that is meant to be read and it's meant to be sang, although we can't imagine it in our language, in our particular vernacular, but it was written that way to express all the imagery and all of the reminders and reflections of this great God that we serve, this great God that we love, who has stepped into history and has intervened on behalf of man. We ought to offer ourselves to Him in an attitude of worship. The second thing we can do is what Habakkuk did, and that is review God's works in history. Nothing builds faith like going back and rehearsing what God has done. Danny and I had a roommate, Brian, back in college. And one time he was going, you know, I'm going to write down a list of every time God's answered a prayer. Do you remember when he wrote that? I think he started out on a sheet of paper, ended up on cardboard or something. I think he had, what, 90 things, something like that. It was a lot. But he wrote down 90 different things or more that he could remember that he prayed about and then he saw God do something about it. And you're talking about building your faith. When you can go back and you can rehearse, what have I gone through? What have I prayed to God about? What have I asked Him for? And how has He responded every time? And when you take the time to write down every time that God has worked in your life because you were praying, you were seeking Him, you were trying to follow His will, and you, you, you sought God about something and He provided, uh, He led, he, he did something in response to your prayers. You write all those things down. That is a very personal and practical way to review God's works in your life, in your history. And when you do that, you talk about a faith builder. It reminds you that, hey, if God has been faithful in the past, if He's always been there when I need Him, then guess what? He's going to be there today and He's going to be there tomorrow when I need Him too. And sometimes we need to remind ourselves of that, how good God is and how faithful God is. I can tell you something that I like to do. I call it the three G's, goodness, grace, and glory. I have learned that when I want to thank God for something, I can start with those three G's. God, you're good. And then you can tell God why you believe He's good. 
I won't go into it, but you've got your own reasons. I got mine. And you say, God, you're so good. You saved me. You love me. I know you care for me. You provide for me. You know, all of these things. God, you are good. And then you can say, God, you're gracious. You know, I don't deserve to be saved. I don't deserve to be a part of a spiritual body. I don't deserve to serve him in the way that I do. And so, God, you're, you're gracious. You treat me better than I deserve. And then the third G is glory. When you read the scriptures and you look at the future that God has promised us, wow, that ought to make you thankful, right? Lord, I am thankful that one day I'm going to be with you in glory. One of these days, Lord, there's going to be no more sin, no more sorrow, no more shame, no more sickness, no more death. One of these days, I'm going to get a glorified body. One of these days, I'm going to be with you in your presence face to face. Wow. And now, if that's not a faith builder, I don't know what is. And so when you want to rehearse uh, God's works in history and you want to be thankful, think about His goodness. Think about His grace. Think about His glory and the future that we have. I look at it this way. His goodness shows us how, how He's so good to us because we can look at the past. And He's grace because we can look at where we are right now and go, thank you, God, I'm not where I used to be. And then His glory deals with the future. Look at what He's got planned for those who love Him. And so when you think of it that way, it helps you to review God's work, not only in history, but in your own life as well. The third thing, the last thing this morning, how can I be sure of God's presence? Number three, ask God to renew His work in our time. Ask God to review, renew His work in our time. I, I love, if there was one verse that just screams at me in this passage this morning, it's the second half of verse 2. Lord, revive Your work in these years. Make it known in these years. And in Your wrath, remember mercy. I want to tell you something. God is still on the throne. He is still in control. I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what you're dealing with, but I want you to know that the Lord loves you, that He's still on the throne, and He's still with you. And you can trust Him. You don't have to doubt. He is there. He is with you, and He will help you get through what you're going through. Uh, one verse that's always stood out to me in the New Testament is Acts 13, 36. Acts 13, 36. It says this, for David, referring to King David in the Old Testament, for David, after serving God's purpose in his own generation, fell asleep, was buried with his fathers and decayed. Yeah, I love that decay part, but no, seriously. Uh, what I love about this verse is that it says that David served God's purpose in his generation. You know, there's a neat story about this verse now that means a lot to me. Uh, when we were serving in Tennessee at New Hope, um, that church is 100 years old. Well, 105 years old now. But in 1914, they had a revival, one of those Brush Arbor Big Tent revivals. You know what I'm talking about? And a lot of people came, and God moved, and a lot of people were saved. And when the revival was over, they all got together, and they decided they would start a church. And the pastor of the church the very first Sunday they met read this verse Acts 13 36 for David after serving God's purpose in his own generation fell asleep was buried with his fathers and he, and he died and basically the message was what are we going to do 
in this day, in this time, in our generation for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, God works through all generations. We can look at history and we can look at what God's done in the past. And we can talk about what God's done back then. But what is God doing today? And what does God want to do tomorrow, next month, and next year? I don't think God's done yet, do you? Amen? He's not done yet. What we need to do is we need to seek Him. We need to offer ourselves to Him in an attitude of worship. We need to review His work in history. And then we need to say, God, renew Your work in our time. I don't know about you, but I think we need to pray for a spiritual renewal and spiritual awakening today. That God would would do something in this day, in this time, in our generation, in our community right now. And I'm a firm believer if we all do that, I believe God will move. But we've got to be willing to want it. We've got to be willing to ask God to grant it. Are you willing to do that? You know, it's not enough just to sit on our laurels. I think sometimes we get, we get in our comfort zone. You know, we do things automatic because we've always done it. We stand at the national anthem, right? We put our hand on our heart. We say, God bless America. It should mean something. You know, uh, some of my friends on uh, Facebook, uh, when it was Veterans Day, they said, live like you were worth dying for. Let that sink in. Live like you were worth dying for. Because when we look at those who have sacrificed on our behalf that went before us, and when you look at the ultimate sacrifice, Jesus Christ Himself, when we look at how much He loved us, when we looked at, at how He gave His all for us, that ought to change who we are and how we live. It ought to be a game changer for you and I as we move forward to offer ourselves to Him in an attitude of worship, to look at what God has done and to say, God, do something in our day. Do something in our time. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.